hello, I'm here with Caitlin, and I'm going to talk about the Intel TDX. But before that, Caitlin's going to talk about AI. Yep, there's a new AI in town. This time it's by the Stable team, the people who made Stable Diffusion. Uh, it's now more like ChatGPT. It's called Stable LM. And so the article I'm referring to is uh, by Ars Technica and by Ben Edwards. Um, and the title is Stability AI Launches Stable LM, an open source chat GPT alternative. And what's really interesting is that this isn't, as far as I can tell, this isn't something you go to like a website and run. Uh, there's a GitHub page where you download and compile the language model yourself which is fantastic uh, for people that don't want to send all your data to uh, you know, the cloud <laughs> um, if you want to have a chat privately. So this is fantastic. And I do like to see more open source AI tooling come out because you know, the last thing we need is AI to be a proprietary product. Yeah, and this one's also uh, smaller than the others, it so run on smaller hardware. Right, it runs on it runs on less demanding hardware. It's smaller, uh, like I said, open source, so it should be developed fairly quickly. Um, and you just go onto their GitHub page right here and download and compile. Uh, and let's see, it's still in alpha, stable alum alpha. Uh, and to get started, <laughs> uh, you, you use the following code snippet apparently and. Uh, let's see. Uh, stable LM tune should be used should be used with the prompts formatted to system user assistant. The system prompt is uh, stable LM is a helpful and harmless open AI language model. So this is really interesting because you can change the system the system prompts uh, since you're running it locally. So you could supposedly make it into a <laughs> mean and and uh, contempt contemporary AI. <laughs> Yep, that and does it, sound pretty charming. It would be fun to play with that. It would be. It would be a lot of fun to play with this. Um, the other thing too, of course, is that since I, I mean, I, I'll have to test it out to see how well it works. But if this does code generation and stuff, it supposed it presumably wouldn't have the restrictions of, oh my gosh, you're making malware. I can't help you with this. So that would be good for people in in our field. Yes. Yeah. And the question is: Is it already pre-trained? And if so, how well? Yeah, that's the question. How well is the training? We'll see. Mm -hmm. I haven't I haven't downloaded it and run it yet. This is brand new. This just yeah. came out. In fact, uh, there's GitHub. Let's see. It was all updated to GitHub last week was the last major commit. So this is this is still brand new. I haven't even played with it yet. But mm -hmm. if anyone wants to, it's there. Yeah, good. Well, Synactive has put out a... Uh list of ways to steal secrets from windows is sort of a post exploitation harvesting uh right up and i found it very useful um it talks about all the types of secrets in windows and you know i years ago i used to get lsa lsa secrets but there's more there's a lot of secrets there's lsass process has secrets and there's the data protection api which is used by a bunch of things to encrypt and store data on windows and you can get into that. And there's a bunch of tools listed here that help you steal secrets from these things. Um, you can steal uh, hashes, clear text credentials, Kerberos tickets, and things like that. And the tools, uh, some of them just use memory dumps or reading the registry, but some of them use known vulnerable kernel drivers. So it's a bring your own driver attack. And uh, anyway, a very nice list of things. 
uh, seems like a very useful resource for pen testers. And I remember this is one of the uh, step two of a pen test and get, get privilege, then escalate privileges. And escalating privileges is a real important skill and it's pretty complicated in both Windows and Linux. And this is one of the many ways to do it. One of my favorite tools for grabbing secrets from Windows systems is Impacket's uh, secret stump. And it's not even mentioned here. So I'm wondering if, hmm. if, if it is not even that good. Or maybe it's a rival company. They didn't want to push it or something. But Well, Impacket is open source. So Yeah, well, I guess not then. Yeah, I've heard of it, but I never used it. Yeah, no, secret stump. Let me... There are check. so many. Yeah. What exactly does secret stump do? Does it do all the things mentioned in the article? Um, let's see. It connects. Uh, does LDAP uh, dump... Uh, Oh, there's a lot here. It goes through. Um, let's see. There's the output file, debug system, boot keys, security key, SAM, uh, NTDS. This is most of the most most of the big stuff you want. Um, I assumed it also did LSAS. Yeah, another interesting tool yeah. is Responder, which I don't think they have here. It's not exactly a dumper, but it's a extractor. Oh yeah, so it's system into sending you data. Yeah, it's it gets everything, SAM and LSA secrets, uh, including cached cred. So, yeah, yeah I don't know why it's I don't know why it's not, not mentioned in the article. But yeah, okay, a good point. Well, all right. <laughs> anyway, uh, you got AI writing articles, writing essays. Yeah, so everyone's worried about AI taking their jobs, uh, but it turns out. It's not the jobs you're thinking of. Um, so apparently I'm an outlier. I never cheated. I never purchased essays from people overseas to cheat. But apparently it's big business. People pay people in low-income parts of the world to you know, write essays for people. So uh, they're like a group of Kenyans who write essays for college students and chat GPT is taking away their income. So, uh, you We're know, putting the, criminals out of work, putting criminals out of work. Right. Uh, so, right. This is an article by rest, restofworld.org. Um, and the title is AI is taking the jobs of Kenyans who write essays for us college students. So ghostwriters are, are taking a, a hit. And the person who wrote this is Martin, KN Seal. Might have been written by an AI, you know. Yeah, but it might have been written by ChatGPT or or by someone in Kenya. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't know. Apparently everyone's cheats but me. Um and uh so yeah, um uh so one person said yeah, they made like $296 once, but then uh they barely they didn't even hit a hundred since chat GPT came out. I mean, people are just turning to it to cheat rather than paying for a human to cheat for them. So, Yeah. And, you know, it is the issue for college teachers. What are you going to do when people are using these AI tools? But I think the real answer is that people need to embrace these tools and learn how to use them. Yeah, no, I, there, there was another article. I didn't put it into the podcast, but it said that people who use AI, generative AI, are about 14% more productive. So they, you should absolutely be using these tools. 
Yeah. And I would think even a lot more than that. I've heard yeah. read articles from guys that say they can now hold down four full-time jobs because chat GPT does 80% of the work. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, that's unethical and you shouldn't do that. Once again, I'm the only person not doing is, these unethical is, is that unethical? I mean, if you get the work done, is it the boss's business? Well, when you sign a contract as a full-time employee, you are saying to the company that you're going to be working full-time hours. Now you may get the, you may get the work done, uh, but you know, there's, there's some questions about scamming the system by, you know, employing chat GPT to do your work for you. Yeah. Well, I've always, I've always had a problem with hourly work. I mean, unless you're like a receptionist, paying you by the hour doesn't make any sense. They should pay you by the accomplishment. And then it's nobody's business how you accomplished it. Well, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, right. I suppose it company probably would get mad and fire you if they found out. Yeah. But I'm not sure they actually have any damages claim. I mean, if you did the job, then how can they claim it harmed them anyway? Anyway, it's up to a lawyer to figure that out. So the, let me get to the one that I thought was most exciting. Um, Wired has an article about Intel finding uh, Google helping Intel find bugs in their new secure chips. And I didn't know about their new secure chips. The new secure chips are Intel TDX. This is trusted domain extensions. And what it is, is another form of hardware virtualization, which is a new um, hardware isolated virtual machines called trust domains. They isolate the virtual machines from the virtual machine manager hypervisor and they protect it from a broad range of software. And so they've got new features called one called secure arbitration mode and one called in total memory encryption, multi-key. So the memory will be encrypted, which I've been waiting for and hearing about. And they also have remote attestation which is intended to provide evidence of the trusted domain executing on genuine hardware. And so it's clearly supposed to make cloud virtual machines much safer. And in order to make it safer, Intel let Google hack it before it came out so they could patch it. And Google did find a bunch of flaws. They found 10 security flaws, including two important ones. One of them was some leftover code from a cryptographic feature that had been dropped from the product, but not all the... Uh, components have been removed properly. And the other one sounds like a race condition. They say they're authenticated code modules, are cryptographically signed chunks of code built to run in the processor at a particular time, but the vulnerability involved a small window in which an attacker could have hijacked the mechanism to execute malicious code. And all this is apparently in response to Spectre and Meltdown. You know, Spectre and Meltdown were the huge flaws in the entire generation of processors that we're all using in order to make them run faster they added speculative execution and that opened a security flaw that cannot be fixed without changing the hardware so they're trying to make new generations of hardware and they're trying to make sure they don't make the same mistake again by building a hardware flaw into it so it sounds good we'll see how it goes i guess these intel tdx things are not out yet because they're still fixing the bugs in them but um I'm, it sounds like it's going to do us a lot of good in our cloud computing. And you've got a moon lander. Yeah, so Japan's going to the moon. And it's not Japan the government, it's Japan the private corporation, a, a cor private corporation in Japan. So this will be the first private object sent to the moon. Uh, and so the article is here on space.com written by Elizabeth Howell. It's titled, A Private Moonlander Will Make History 
when it touches down today. And it's touching down soon. It's going to be touching down within an hour or two. Uh, so here's how to watch it live. Okay, it's so flown to the moon. Yeah, it's already there. It's about ready to land. It's wow. um, going to touch down around 1240 uh, Eastern Daylight Time. So that's like 940 Pacific Daylight Time. So that's a little after this podcast ends. And um, a lot of moon missions this year, I think. And yeah, remember there was a gap of like 10 years when we didn't send anything to the moon. Now everybody's doing it. Yeah, well, the moon's sort of the next big hotness. We were very much focused on orbital uh, missions for a long time after the moon. We, we, we realized that there was a lot we had to get right before we started venturing off to the other planets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the best way to do that is to do it as close as possible. So we had the International Space Station. Uh, there were a few things like Hubble. That was a big one. Um, but now things are moving back towards the moon now that we've have a half a decade of sort of space exploration under our belts. Are there um, any people in this, or is it just a robot? No, probe? just a robot. Just a robot. So Much the robot, fun. the robot is named uh, Hakuto R. Um, and it's yes, the first privately operated spacecraft that will land on the moon. Uh, it will land today at twelve forty uh, Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube in about an hour. Uh, land, uh, and it's landing in the Atlas Crater, which is the sort of southeastern part of the like Mare uh, Figores. Um, so that will be really good. Uh, hopefully it doesn't land on a big boulder and topple over, but uh, yeah, we'll see. It's well on its way. They have some pictures here from uh, some of their, oops. Let's see if we can't get that full screen. Ah, there we go. We have a nice little picture of the moon mm-hmm. and the earth sort of coming up. They took that from their lander? Yep. And so how are they going to make money from this? Is this just a lost leader or what? I have no idea. Yeah. But and I, mean, I do we... I do like the fact that it is a, a Japanese lander. And if you look at the logo, you see little rabbit ears. This is because in the West, we talk about the, the man in the moon. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Japan, they see a rabbit with big rabbit ears. So they have a nice, nice little rabbit um, logo. I like that. So good, good. Well, you know, so I know space tourism is gonna is one possible way to monetize this. Perhaps. Yeah. All right. Um, oh. That's another one. That's yours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, color corrected, apparently. Yeah. Anyway, lo- lots of wonderful pictures coming from this. So yeah. It's happening yeah. in an hour. Yeah, it sounds exciting. I just yeah. uh, wonder how they're gonna make money. But- all right. Government and, gov- government contracts. <laughs> well, all right. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, and uh, so there was a uh, post on Mastodon pointing this out. A there's a company that makes super private phones, and they're so private they don't want you to run any Google services. So you put on non-Google versions of Android with all the Google Play stuff removed, and then he tried putting that special OS on other phones and found that it didn't succeed because Qualcomm. Qualcomm that makes the chips in many computers has at the hardware level connection back to servers, including Google. You can't turn it off. It happens before the OS gets in there. And so he's pretty horrified. He regards this as saying Qualcomm chipsets are backdoored. It secretly sends unencrypted HTTP data uniquely identifying the phone to Qualcomm and to Google without telling you or notifying you. And they feel like this is pretty appalling. Um, I... I guess it's a, it's something to worry about if you want your, if you want your privacy. 
Um, anyway, it's uh, I see a lot of people do this casually. They just heart design their stuff to send data back home and forget that anybody might not want that. It reminds me of the Invicti vulnerability scanner, which I'm using in a private cloud environment that does not connect to the internet. And you can't even log in there because they made their login page called Google. And it waits for like two minutes to time out with the Google call before you can log in. So you have to black hole Google in the host file to use it in a private environment. And so a lot of people just casually make internet connections out of everything without thinking that maybe that ought to be something you could turn off. Maybe not everybody wants that. And so uh, if you want a highly, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of confused by the threat model here. What? How can a phone be private? It has to connect to the phone service to get the call. So I'm not entirely sure of the threat model that says you want a phone that doesn't tell anybody where you are. All phones are automatically telling somebody where you are all the time. But anyway, um, it is good to know what the chips are doing. And uh, it may matter for people that need highly secure phones like uh, journalists in political issues and political activists and such. You could go very old school, go radio, and and have the audio go through radio to the phone lines, and then people would have a harder time figuring out where you are unless they use something like a Kraken to do some direction finding. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And then then if you really want to hide, there's Tor and Tails and stuff. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for this one, and I'll have another one on Friday.